Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. It's that time again, ladies and gentlemen, it's the three and D podcast. I am your host, Justin Lewis. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore Timberfake underscore. Um, you can find the podcast at three and D pod. Uh, of course, we are part of the Grizzly Bear Blues network of podcasts. You can find us on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. Uh, you can find us on the internet at www.grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you check out the Starting Five podcast on Mondays, the Core Four podcast on Wednesdays, and GBB Live by Joe Molinax on Thursdays. Well, it is the uh, first day of the NBA playoffs, and our Memphis Grizzlies are at home like we are watching the playoffs. It is a tough time to be a Grizzlies fan, and I've got two guests uh, on with me to talk about why we should have hope going forward. Our first guest is the newest member of the Grizzly Bear Blues family, Mr. Ben Hogan. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. How are y'all doing tonight? Doing all right. Uh, Rock, rocking, baby. Yeah. Uh, ben, it's a little interesting note. We have a mutual friend that you don't know about. Uh-oh. Mr. Eric Hasselton. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric's a good dude. Yes. <laughs> I've known Eric for years. Uh, I remember you being his producer um, and loving how he always pitched your um, your Twitter handle because it is an awesome Twitter handle. So uh, why don't you tell everybody your Twitter handle uh, and why it's so great? Uh, it's at not the golfer. And it's because my name is Ben Hogan, which is a famous golfer from a long time ago. And anytime I was in school, like – my teachers would be like, Benjamin Hogan. I said, no, it's Ben. Oh, like the golfer? And then I was just like, yeah. Oh, are you, do you play golf? I'm like, ah, try. So I just figured, just be easier. I'm not, not the golfer. You know, it just, especially with Twitter out there and everybody, you know, pretending to be this and that. It's just easy. At not the golfer. And, and not only are you Ben Hogan, but you're also verified on Twitter. So, like, that makes yeah. it even <laughs> harder Damn. to distinguish. <laughs> Yeah, that is true. I I am verified. That was uh that was a perk of being with uh being with Eric. <laughs> I hear you. Our other guest is Mr. Zach Noble. Zach, I'm not even gonna try to explain what all you do because it seems like you do a lot. So if you would kind of just tell us what you do. No, I appreciate that. Honestly, it's pretty simple and straightforward, and I'm not some extravagant Renaissance man. I wish wish I was maybe, but uh 
just a podcaster for Ball is Life. Um, I have one show called Four Seasons. Um, we've had over 50-plus current NBA players, 150-plus guests overall. And then uh, I just started a new show uh, with Roosh Williams, who's a big Rockets guy. Um, that's also through Ball is Life. And um, it's the Noble and Roosh show. We just uh, let, we're putting out our second episode there with uh, – Eric Pincus and Karan Butler. So that should be a good one. And uh, just we're all about getting great guests and hopefully some decent chemistry as well. Well, one of my goals on this show is to get great guests. And that's why I was excited to have you come on today. I take, I'll take that as a compliment. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh, where can people and find will, you on Twitter? So it's Z-A-K-N-O-B-L-E. And Ben, I will say this, one of my first sets of irons, I'm a big time golfer. We're Ben Hogan's. Okay. So, I mean, th- 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 I'll give you that. I hope they treat you well. Wondering if you were, they were all right. They were all right. I think I broke uh, 90 for the first time with them, probably. Nice. That was good. When I was like, I don't know, 10. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Zach, uh, you are one of my favorite follows on Twitter. And the part of the reason is because you have very interesting polls that you put out. So I just kind of want to get your, your input on like the motivation behind those, the inspiration behind them. Like what are those polls going towards? Or do you, sometimes you just get bored and you want to see what Twitter's thinking? I'm more so bored and Twitter's thinking, but I always like projecting players. I always like putting somebody's uh, prediction, uh, their, their power, their research, and just their thought process to the fire and just make them pick somebody. And like, cause I think more, people take them pretty serious. I get a lot of people that reach out and more so in my DMS and um, we get good dialogue going back and forth. Um, And it's just fun for me to just see where people's heads are at with certain players and prospects. Cause I always have my opinion in the back of my mind. And um, I'm just, I'm big into projections and my favorite part about the NBA and what got me into it is just the progression of players. And that's why a team like Memphis just intrigues me so much because I'm all about the development, you know, watching players grow in every stage of their career. Yeah, so after seeing, uh, I guess, Morant's last two games, um, there's a lot to be excited with him. What would you say his projection would be? Yeah, right now, I mean, when he first – I mean, probably for the first three months, I was going to say um, I saw him as like a top 10 NBA player at his very ceiling, and I always have percentages in my mind, like how, what's, how likely it is for that player to reach there. Um, right now, after his rookie year, um, I think he's got top seven potential. If he reaches absolute ceiling, and I think it's pretty high he reaches it, to be honest. Um, like, I look at a guy like Damian Lillard, um, he can be a top six guy in this league. And I think Jaws got that type of potential, uh, which is pretty funny going head-to-head with him, um, John, for his first playoff spot ever. And I do think the Grizzlies probably would have made it if Jaron Jackson didn't get hurt. Uh, I think they were right there, and the chemistry was – unfathomable for two players this young and just having a team that showed flashes being this good defensively and this deep um, with two really big cornerstones like this. I mean, as a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, I mean, I could only dream that D'Angelo Russell and Towns look this good next year. Yeah. uh, So this is a question that I ask every one of my podcast guests because it's very important to me. Um, What is your thoughts on Dylan Brooks? Yeah. So he's, He's questionable for me. He really is. I mean, I liked him coming in. I had him higher on draft boards than most. Uh, I can't remember at the top of my 
mind where I, exactly where I had him, but I know it was higher than he got drafted. Uh, but with that said, I, I think he's a long-term starter. That's where I'm at with him right now. Uh, I don't think – I'm not going to go any further than that, like a high-end starter or anything. I'm just going to say a good starter uh, for the time being. Like I, I'd say his max ceiling right now is where I see him as like a top 60 NBA player. Um, I, I definitely think there's a chance he could crack top 40, maybe even top 30. But, uh, that, I mean, the percentage is very low on that right now for me. Um, and I do think guys like John Jaron can really help develop them. Um, it's, it's really going to just come down to, is he going to be able to play better on defense and how good of a three point shooter is he going to really be year after year? Right. I, th- I think it has a lot to do with him playing within himself a little bit more, um, and maybe focusing more on the spot up three point shooting rather than forcing the, um, yep. fadeaways from the elbow and the triple team layups that he likes to shoot. Um, hearing somebody say that they think he'd be top 60 really um, hurts me because uh, <laughs> I don't even think that he's a starter for a winning contending team in the NBA. Wow. Um, See, I told you I'm higher on him. Yeah, you are higher. Uh, now I do believe in his draft that he was, that he should have gone higher than he, than he did. And I think the Grizzlies got a value pick out of him, but he can't lead this team in shots when you've got John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr. Sure. And, and Jonas Valanciunas. And so it's just something that, is a pet peeve of mine is is Dylan Brooks and he was the worst in the bubble up until that last game where he was phenomenal. Um, so let's talk about the bubble. Ben, I'm gonna go to you. Um, kind of your thoughts on um, how Memphis showed in the bubble and kind of how um, things are looking as we got knocked out in a very heartbreaking fashion. Well, I mean. It- it's a little disappointing, obviously, when you're going into the bubble and you have that three-and-a-half game lead and you see, like, hey, if you finish in the eighth spot, you know, you're going to get the, the game advantage where you only have to win one while the other team has to beat you twice. And you're thinking, okay, well, you know, we don't have to necessarily go in and win, you know, half of our games. You could probably have gone – I mean, I think it would have come out. Like, if you went three and five, you would have been the eighth spot. But – you had a little bad luck on the way, the Jaron Jackson Jr. injury, and then, uh, you know, you kind of thought you were going to have Justice Winslow until, you know, just a few weeks before getting into the bubble. And I think they played well. I think they played, you know, there was some disappointing. Dylan Brooks was, you know, he's always hot and cold when it comes to when, when he's playing. He was hot at the end of the season, kind of cooled off as it went, as it progressed. And then there was a it was kind of a mini burst of that in the uh, bubble, whereas, you know, he didn't play well for a lot of games, but he did play well down the stretch when you needed him to. Um, I think setting up, though, for the future, I think it looks bright. And when it comes down to it, I was thinking about it because maybe it was because they were playing the Blazers, but losing games like that, I mean, if you remember this, not the same Portland team, but McCollum, and Damian Lillard, they were on that Blazers team. They got knocked out in five games by the Grizzlies early on. I mean, uh, it was early in their careers. They had LaMarcus Aldridge on that squad, too, in which, you know, he could not compete with the Grizzlies bigs at the time. But a playoff loss like that and, a, like, a playoff loss, I guess semi-playoff loss this time, I think will help build them into knowing what they have to do next time. And I think it makes them a tougher team uh, going into next season as long as everybody's healthy and uh, – on the Dylan Brooks front, if, like you said, if he can learn to play with himself, he needs to learn a little discipline over the offseason. Maybe somebody can get to him saying, hey, 
you know, when we lose a starter like Jaron Jackson Jr., don't look at how many points he has, and that's how many points are available out there. Just kind of just let the game come to you instead of you trying to take over the game. Right. Um, and, I, and I think with this bubble experience, like I don't think it's a coincidence that you saw uh, Jaw's game elevate the last, you know, stretch of them because I think – I don't know if he put pressure on himself in the beginning in the, or the team was just overwhelmed by the fact that these were, were playoff games. Uh, they were called seeding games, but for the Grizzlies and the teams underneath them, these were all, every one of them, playoff games. And I think the youth really showed early. Um, and then Ja got to go up against some, some really high-quality opponents and then got to the end and realized, like, I can't be passive like I am to start a game. I can't – this team relies on my energy. This team relies on – my play and I think what we saw in Portland was that he realized that so much that he had eight turnovers that were so uncharacteristic for him at times because I think he was just forcing things um but he's he got to see Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum in the in the clutch when everything's on the line and that can only benefit uh this team going forward Zach from a from a mm. non-Memphians whose heart rate wasn't going through the roof during these final two games, uh, what was your perspective on the Grizzlies and, and their bubble stretch? Little do you know, my heart rate was high, man. My heart rate was high. I mean, I was either either had the line on Memphis or I just want these games to be close throughout. I'm a betting man, so I'm I always my heart rate's going one way or the other. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, what you just the thoughts on Memphis going in the stretch is what you're asking or yeah 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 so I, I was really impressed I mean they, they they hung strong for what they had on their roster and uh Valanciunas I mean he looked very good and he's one of the most underrated players in the league and um that's he really stuck out to me and John I mean just grew with the time as you mentioned there uh, really poised guy, and I, that's where I think a lot of his ceiling is going to come from. Just he's there's not a moment too big for him right now, um, and I believe in a lot of the depth. I, I truly believe that this team has the pieces if they fully develop and stay healthy. Um, I mean, to be maybe a second round or a Western Conference Finals type of team. Uh, however, I mean. Valanciunas, I mean, when I got up against Nurkic, it definitely looked like a step down from there. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, CJ, I mean, it's just the veterans came through. But I don't know. I, I mean, I just – I loved what I saw at Ja more than anything. Um, I Really, outside of that, it's hard to say. I mean, much else I loved outside of that, really. Um, everybody else was off and on. And um, – but, I mean, if you can only – if you get one bright spot of that and that's your best player, hey, we'll take it, right? Uh, absolutely. I think uh, a, a bright spot, too, from the, the, the duration of the bubble for Memphis fans uh, is Grayson Allen. Zach, what do, you, what do you think his long-term future is? Can he be a bench piece that, that stays in the rotation and produces at that level? Or was this just kind of a product of um, the bubble environment and he just kind of had this moment and that's going to be it? Yeah, I've been thinking and talking about Grayson Allen a lot with people lately, and it's a tough one for me. I mean, because I was really high on him coming in before the draft, and then the last two years, I mean, just kind of made me look bad, and I um, kinda, I was starting to give up on him. I haven't fully given up on him, um, and now he's playing with my strings again here. <laughs> um, and cause everybody, Minnesota fans love this guy, and they still they, – they, everybody thinks in Minnesota he'd be a great piece for us, and I'm not fully committed. He's towards – 
uh, the end of the list of guys I'd want to bring in just because I think he needs a coach like Taylor Jenkins. Like he, he needs a really good coach that can help develop him. So I think if he's going to make it anywhere, Memphis is going to be one of his spots. But um, what's going to hurt him is fighting with Josh Jackson, DeAnthony Melton, and Justice Winslow, guy, and Tyus Jones even. Um, all those guys still need a lot of development. Um, so it's like, all about opportunity for him. I think he can become a player, but is he going to get the fair opportunity? I'm still not certain of that. I'm just, I, I don't know. That, that's where my biggest, am I going to fully commit to this guy based on a lot of it's going to be chance um, because it's the coach picking a flavor of one of these guys. Uh, me personally, I'd still invest in Justice Winslow and Josh Jackson more than Grayson Allen. Ben, uh, you want to you wanna pitch in on the, the opportunity side for Grayson? Um, I think that he is a definitely a rotation player. I think that he's the guy that actually could put a little pressure on, on Dylan. I think they need to be a little more, uh, I think Jenkins maybe needs to look at possibly not necessarily starting Grayson uh, off the get go, but um, like just use him as a little leverage. I do think that he's a rotation player and I think he has a bright future with the Grizzlies because I mean, I, honestly, I didn't know what to expect. I watched him in a little bit in the summer league games, and it was just like, eh, you know, it, it's a little <laughs> underwhelming. Right. And then I watched him in the bubble, and it was like, where, where has this been? You know, this is kind of the – and we know during his college days, he's a gamer. Like, he's intense when it comes down to it. And that's the kind of guy you want to have on your team. Right, so – you, uh, Zach, brought up two, two, a couple names in Justice Winslow and um, Josh Jackson. I, I am one hundred percent sure that Josh Jackson is not going to be a Memphis Grizzly this this upcoming season, <laughs> um, and I think that was proven in Why the bubble. Um, he, okay, he, just he, right. yeah, he didn't even see the floor in garbage time hardly. Um, either they don't believe he's a fit, right. or or he's done something um, outside of basketball again. Thinking. Um, so I, I don't think that he's going to be there. The other thing that's going to be created is let's, let's talk two restricted free agent names that matter to both the Timberwolves and the Memphis Grizzlies, and that is Malik Beasley and DeAnthony Melton. Mm. I don't know if either team can afford to keep that guy. Now, I, I would trade DeAnthony Melton, who I'm a huge fan of, for Malik Beasley in a heartbeat. Um, I would yeah. love to have that guy on our team. <laughs> who wouldn't <laughs> yeah so no shit we missed our opportunity to get Beasley y'all y'all snagged him um because it was blowing my mind the whole time he was sitting there in Denver and not getting any playing time I was like did you not remember what this guy did last season he can clearly play <laughs> and he would have been for me like every time I play 2k I trade Dylan Brooks from Lake Beasley immediately before <laughs> I even start the season like it happens I'm I'm surprised that's a trade that's allowed that goes through. I mean, you probably got override on like no other. No, <laughs> it happens. <laughs> um, so, DeAnthony Milton, I, I, we've seen numbers out there of what he could be offered. Um, if he, if we can't match him, I don't know if there's anybody else that we're going to be able to bring in that is going to be better than Grayson Allen. Um, so, I think opportunity will be there for him. It's just – is the bubble an anomaly is going to be the question for him because anybody shooting a 48% clip from downtown is going to be something that they're going to come down from. Like Gary Trent Jr. is not going to be shooting like that 
for an entirety of a season. Um, so, like, I think it's there, but it just – I don't know. I want to – like you said, we got him for two more seasons under control. We got a team option on him after this upcoming season. So, like, we had the opportunity to get a look at him, um, and that's what I'm hoping yeah. that we do. I'm definitely higher on Grayson than Melton. I'm one of the – I've always been one of the lowest guys on Melton, even um, pre-draft. I mean, it was a draft – NBA draft Twitter – darling for sure he's he's been that guy and I think it's just kind of stuck with people even though he's he's done good things and he's showing a lot of upside for sure as a two-way player uh but I'd I'd take Grayson's um one skill of shooting over what everything that De'Anthony Melton brings oh and how much is he worth to you guys what's the most you're paying for that guy Ben I'll let you answer that first um don't make me throw up either (laughs) I mean, I think uh, probably eight, eight millions probably. Oh, you know, shit. I, I said eight million a year probably is the, is the cap. I mean, I've seen 12, 13, 14. Uh-huh. Oh, I've heard it all. I have. Yeah, that, it's not new to me. That's, but I think eight is reasonable. I mean, I think that's a, that's a good one. Yeah, I don't think I'm going over eight for DeAnthony, and I love him. Um, I think he's Tony Allen's grandson in some ways. <laughs> A little bit better mm. offense, not as not as you know, obviously you know, game changing defensively as as TA was, but he gives. He's not going to uh, let the Golden State Warriors uh, sag Andrew Bogut into the paint and take away um, your offense. Like he can spread the floor just a little bit, and he he can make plays a little bit. So like, I'm comfortable with eight. Um, I would be comfortable with giving Josh Jackson another year at like six to eight. Um, but I've seen like Ben said like. Atlanta Hawks Twitter was talking about like a 555 on on, Mantha, on Melton or like a 448. I'm like, there's no way Holy I'm doing that. Holy shit! Why are you why are you so low on Melton? I just think he's a guy that's average everywhere, you know. And I don't see the one skill that's going to pop off the board. Like, I don't think he's I don't think he's going to be elite defensively, even though. Um, there's people think love his whole game in his entirety, but um, you look at like Grayson Allen's per 36 numbers, even just his 38 game sample size. I mean, his numbers are pretty damn good, but I just, I've watched a lot of Grizzly guy, Grizzlies games and Melon just doesn't pop off to me. Like he just seems like a, a an average guy. Okay. And aver- like, I don't see Melton ever being more than a, eighth man to me really I'm I'm still not like I I get it I I can see what people believe in but I just um don't see it for games at a time I'm just not there yet I hope he shocks me I'm I'm the same way he I mean I mean I'm very similar to him as I am with Bruce Brown up in Detroit that's a good comparison and I would rather have Bruce Brown oh wow sorry guys (laughs) all right so the last thing let's let's discuss let's talk the future all right let's 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 go three years down the road um we're probably entering our true window at that point um take out john morant jaron jackson jr brandon clark are there is there any other player that's currently on this roster that is a impact piece on a contending grizzlies team in three years and take into account that's Brooke 
we're talking Brooks is off the books now uh, unless we re-sign him or extend him. Valanchunas is off the books now unless we re-sign him or extend him. I believe Kyle Anderson's gone. Pretty much this whole roster except those three guys are gone. Do you think that any of these guys we currently have are something that's going to be vital to their contention in three to four years? Uh, we'll start with Ben. Um, I mean, if uh, you're going with – you're talking about, like, if they would re-sign them after their contract runs out or sign to another contract. Do you, uh, yeah, do you think they're important enough to, to keep them on in a, in a contending-type role? Um, I would have to say Tyus Jones, hopefully, and then uh, maybe Justice Winslow. It depends on how – what he looks like when he's healthy. Like, that's really – that's the biggest question mark I have right now is how healthy is Justice Winslow, and if he can reach his potential – I think that could be a key to the Grizzlies becoming one of the contenders in three or four, two, three, four years, honestly. Um, other than that, I, I really don't know. I mean, yeah, D'Anthony Melton would be a nice piece, but, I mean, I don't necessarily see him as, like, vital to putting together a contender when it comes down to it in the near future. So, I mean, those would be, those would be really the only two guys I could see right now. Maybe even Grayson Allen, because the way the league's going, you're going to have to have as many guys as you can to spread the floor. Mm-hmm. And, sure. and he's a shooter. And I don't know, <laughs> Grizzlies history seems like that they have a tough time finding a guy that can shoot the three. And yep. when you got one that's depending on, you know, as we were just discussing, like it's, he's going to drop off from his bubble. But, you know, what kind of player is he? I mean, is he a, you know, I don't know. A, is he in between what we've seen him like a while ago to what he was in the bubble? I don't know, but there's a few guys that I do think, I think like those guys could do it. Unfortunately, they're all three dookies, but you know, <laughs> it's crazy how that works out. But those are the three guys that I would say that uh, could possibly be part of the Grizzlies uh, three years from now. Zach. I just want to make this noted being I'm on a Grizzlies podcast that, uh, I was as high as anyone on Brand Clark before the draft. I had him three on my board. So, oh, wow. Um, I'm a huge believer in him, and uh, I can't wait to watch what he becomes. And he's had an amazing rookie year. But um, that wasn't the question. So, <laughs> again, it's going back to what Taylor Jenkins is going to invest in. Who is he putting in his basket going forward? Because I, I personally love the way Josh Jackson was trending, and then he just goes – rogue come the bubble time and um you noted he probably did something off the court i mean that's the only thing that i can do to explain that because his play deserved to keep on playing in my estimation um i just think he has an all-around game and it's it's always been opportunity for josh jackson that never has gotten a consistent opportunity in a good system that fit him um and he's finally starting to get that again but um outside those three main guys uh, Dylan Brooks has the best chance. Um, Jonas V, I could see him sticking around. Uh, but Josh Jackson, Grayson Allen, Melton, Tyus Jones, and my boy Dusty Hannes. Uh, <laughs> no, Dusty's got no shot. Unfortunately, <laughs> I wish I wish he did. But um, those those last guys I mentioned, those last four or five or so, um, I like Justice Winslow the best out of all of them personally. But he's never been healthy enough to see what he can fully become for a full season. So it all depends on who's healthy and who gets the opportunity uh, because I think they all can be valuable. All those guys, I said, um, be a part of a 
team that possibly works into contention. Uh, I don't see guys like Kyle Anderson and um, Gorgie Jang and Tyus Jones. I mean, I'm so glad you guys took him off our hands. Thank you for that. We love him. You didn't like him? <laughs> I liked him, but not for the price you guys are paying. Well, oh. we, we are gladly pay, paying that price because we've never had a backup point guard that we've been happy with. <laughs> Our backup fair. point That's guard fair. history makes him a steal. Yeah. Beno Udre. Let's go. Yeah, he's, he, he's in the conversation. Gravis Vasquez. Oh, goodness. I love Gravis. Don't, don't get me going. <laughs> no, I think, it's interesting. I think it's interesting that neither one of you really, like, sold the fact that Valanchunas is a, is a guy in – the contending window. I think he's a guy. I really believe in him. With the with as good as defensive game that Jaron Jackson has, I think Jonas is a great pairing for him. I really do. I do too. And I think the the question comes down to, and this is kind of a debate over at Grizzly Bear Blues a lot, is is Jaron going to be a five in the future and you run Brandon as a starting four? Like, is that your long-term goal? Is like that going to be your contending team? And for me right now, Unless Jaron can vastly improve his rebounding game, he needs – like Mark Gasol struggles to rebound, but he had Zach Randolph next to him who could get those rebounds. Yep. Jaron needs somebody next to him that can rebound at a high rate, and that's Valanciunas. And I think Valanciunas is vastly underrated. Um, he was top 30 in, in player efficiency rating this season in the entire NBA, um, but he's just so overlooked for some reason. And um, I think that – he may – I don't know. I can see him being a expiring contract to bring back a piece. Um, but I think at that point, like, we're not going to be a team in three years looking to trade expiring contracts. We're going to be a team um, trying to, you know, make it past the second round of the playoffs. And he's going to be a big part of that. Um, so, uh, that real yeah, quick, I'd say, I'd say Jonas has always been a floor raiser. He's never really been a ceiling raiser. So, um, he'll be as good as the team is. Um, and never let you go like backwards off that, really. It's kind of what I'm getting at. I hear you. All right. So I tweeted out a list of free agents um, that I would like to see the Grizzlies go after this year when ultimately Josh Jackson's off the books. Um, I, would, I would wish that Marco Guterich was off the books too, but I don't think he's going to be. Um, <laughs> here, here's some guys that um, I think would be fits, and I, I want you guys to tell me who you think the best fit would be. Um, we got Furkan Korkmaz from the uh, Sixers. Uh, of course, I put Malik Beasley, but he was always a crapshoot because we missed our chance with him. Um, let's see. Piss off. Bryn Forbes, Joe Harris, Alec Burks, and Davis Bertans. Bertans is another guy that we're not going to be able to afford. So, really, it's Joe Harris. Can the Nets afford to pay him? Bryn Forbes, Alec Burks, and Korkmaz. Ben, who you, who you like for the Grizzlies? That's reason. Like, do you think we can possibly get? Uh, I mean, I would I would say Joe Harris. I think he. I watched him a little bit today. I mean, I I just think he would be fine. I think he'd be good in the Grizzlies' offense. And I out of those guys, that's kind of who I would lean more towards is Joe Harris. I mean, that's Zach. you know that's a great list. I think it's a really good and reasonable list altogether. And I don't think. Um, any of those guys are bad choices and some are more realistic than others for sure and more affordable. Uh, I'm not sure who's going to make more money though between Davis and Joe Harris. I mean, even though Davis, I mean, it probably still has a little more upside 
Uh, and I think he's a tad bit younger. Uh, I don't, I think they're both almost worth about the same. I just think Joe can bring a little more defensively and um, playmaking and other things outside of shooting. Um, and I think both are going to be at a premium. So I'm not sure where Memphis is salary cap wise, um, how much they can sign either of those guys for, but um, Bryn Forbes off that list would probably be towards the bottom, even though I'd, he'd still be a decent piece to have. Yeah. I, I don't, I think Joe Harris is getting paid by somebody. I don't think it's going to be the Nets. Mm -hmm. um, he led the league in field goal percentage last year. And I think he's doing it again this year. Um, the dude just, he just makes shots. Um, so I think uh, obviously there's no way that, that the, the Sixers are going to be able to afford to keep both Burks and uh, Cork Moss. So one of those guys will be available. I'd love to have Cork Moss because he's a Grizz killer. Mm -hmm. And um, the only problem with getting a Grizz killer is sometimes when they come to the Grizzlies, um, they still are a Grizz killer. <laughs> um, I think yeah. he's going to be really affordable. I'd love to take this, the swing. I think we got like one more year where we can really swing on a free agent. Like the, the Guterich signing for us, we could afford to, to take that shot um, because we weren't – the goal wasn't, you know, to win a title this year. Uh, so I think you got one or two more years where you can take shots on guys um, with their potential. But then after that, it's like, no, we, we got to sign what we can. Because really you got to think about the narrative in today's NBA is can we keep John Jaron past their contracts – um, so right. the front office has got to do what they can to to keep them there. Just like with with Cat, with y'all in Minnesota, like I think you yeah. have now kept him with D'Lo being there. For sure, that definitely sealed the deal. All right, uh, as we wrap up, Ben, you got any final words? No, nah, I'm just excited to uh, join you guys, and I appreciate you bringing me on here, and uh, looking forward to doing it again. Yeah, three and D uh, listeners, be ready to hear a lot of Ben Hogan. Um, I definitely plan to have him on as much as I can. He is uh, one of the uh, best local Memphis voices on Grizzlies basketball. He's going to say he's not because he's a humble guy, uh, <laughs> but he is uh, going to be a great addition to our team. Zach, anything you want to add before we hop off? Ben, it's been really fun. And Justin, thanks a lot for having me, man. Anytime you guys want me, I'd definitely be happy to come on. Um, fun conversation and you guys are lucky to have the squad you do going forward I'm a little jealous and more so of your coach we are thrilled to have our coach too yeah all right well for Zach and Ben this has been another episode of the 3 and D podcast until next week we will see you later